This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. Commander Joseph Dituri, United States Navy retired, is currently living underwater in a habitat. Dr. Dituri is a retired Navy diving saturation officer with 28 years of service. When he retired, he went back to school to earn a PhD in biomedical engineering from the University of South Florida. That allows him to perform research on hyperbaric medicine and diving-related maladies. He is an author with numerous textbooks and peer-reviewed research articles. And as I said, he's living the dream off of Florida Keys right now. And we'll get to that. But for now, welcome, Dr. Deturi, to Radio Stockdale. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here. It's great to have you here, especially where you are. But let's let's talk about your path to where you are right now. You chose the Navy as a first career. What made you choose one of the most dangerous jobs in the Navy? And did you think about that as you were growing up? I did. And uh, to, to be frank, uh, the, the first choice was the Marine Corps. My mother said, not a chance. And I was only 17. So uh, she did not sign the papers. And then uh, I said, well, the Navy's offering me nuclear power school. And she's like, that sounds smarter, don't you think? And I said, yeah, okay. So she said, yeah, join the Navy. So there we go. Okay, so you join the Navy, you're going to see the world, but you saw the world from a totally different perspective than most sailors. Why is that? How did you get into the diving thing? Right. So uh, nuclear power school being what it was, uh, I did uh, really well in there or reasonably well in there. And then uh, I had wrecked a motorcycle on the East-West Expressway. They found out that I had eczema. And when you have eczema, you get these little bumps on your hands. You cannot be a nuke because the first layer of skin stops radiation. So they said, you can have your choice of any school in the Navy. So I said, all right, I want to go do something fun like data processing. I don't know. I didn't. I thought it was fun at the time. It was kind of silly. And they sent me to, among other ships and so forth, from there they sent me to a diving command called Naval Submarine Medical Research Laboratory, NSMRL. And it was an 06 command, and they did a bunch of diving research. And I said, wait, 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 this is cool. <laughs> and then uh, from there, I pulled the enlisted commissioning program. I put in for the enlisted commissioning program, and I wound up uh, getting selected and, uh, and went off to college and finished my degree and sure enough got commissioned into the special operations community then it's all downhill from there well let's let's talk about that let's talk about that for a second because when when most people think about diving and I'll I'll say navy diving we're thinking about flippers but in fact you guys walk most of the time is that is that a is that a right description that's a reasonably true statement. Uh, so navy diving is little more than a way to get to work on the bottom right so Breathe in and out, repeat as necessary. That's diving overall. But you got to bring something to the table. You can't just be a diver. You have to be more than that. You have to be able to fix an engine underwater. You have to be able to fix uh, auxiliary propulsion unit underwater, uh, remove a screw underwater. So, you know, you have to kind of be a mechanic and a jack of all trades. So, uh, you know, you, you need that those specialties to, uh, to be a 
part of the Navy diving that we did. But the other part was explosive ordnance disposal. Uh, and then the other part was mine countermeasures. So that is the special operations group. They were 1140s at the time. And that's what I got commissioned into. Okay. So my diving quals are a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I used to dive with a t-shirt and, and swim shorts. You guys don't. You're diving in, you know, in, in pretty thick layers of neoprene. Uh, you don't see what you're what you're working on all the time. You don't have you know fifty feet of viz. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, true story. Uh, so so when you go underwater, as they're training you in Navy dive school, they they want you to be what they call aquatically adaptable. So they beat you within an inch of your life underwater and do everything really bad to you so that when you don't have your mask and you can't see and it's dark and it's scary and it's cold, then you're still going to perform your gig. So that's what mostly we've done. Uh, basically, a lot of dark water, black water diving. Um, and, you know, you, you go to the site of a wreck or you go to the site of a thing that most of the time you can't really see. So you're feeling and diving by Braille. And that's kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you put your fear aside and you do your job, you know, like the Army says. So, so you've been a leader in units, organizations where you and the team quite frankly, on a day-to-day -day basis, have to make life and death decisions. Like really daily, if, if, if there's a fault at depth, in all likelihood, you're not going to survive. I mean, what it was, what's it like to be a leader in that domain? You know, when, when I took command from uh, uh, Captain Keith Lenhart, now Captain Keith Lenhart, then commander, uh, when I took over for him at Deep Submergence Unit, he told me, every day I look in this mirror, Joe, I think is today the day that I'm going to hurt somebody or kill somebody. And that's like a true statement. When they say the mantle of command, like here you are in charge. I looked in the mirror on the ship and I, as soon as I took over, I felt it. I was like, oh boy. And, and you are just dotting I's and crossing T's all day long because every time those sailors pull that little blue curtain closed, every one of them is relying upon you. And boy, that is no small is no small weight. Describe that team, by the way. Um, you know, when, when you're when you're flying an airplane, when you're you know doing all the things that uh, that that SWOs do, that surface warfare folks do, that even that, that SEALs do. I mean, you're not alone. You've got this team around you. But when you're diving, you literally have a lifeline that you're attached to. How does that work? I mean, how does that work in your brain? Oh, yeah. Uh, you realize really quickly that there is no I in team. And I'll tell you what my guys did as I became a one atmosphere suit pilot. And when I became a one atmosphere suit pilot, there, are only, there were only 35 in the Navy total. Uh, my number is 21. So when I got started to get qualified, they lower this 1500 pound suit down upon you. And then everybody on the side walks away. And you're like, wait a minute. Wait, and, and they don't tell you this, right? So they walk away from me. Now I'm the guy in charge and they walk away from me. And then they come back 10 minutes later and go, how do you feel? And I'm like, pretty friggin' lonely. And they're like, you can't do this alone. You may be a rock star right now. You may be the guy who's piloting the suit. However, comma, there is no I in this team. And you got to rely upon your brothers and sisters on the surface. And I was like, I point well taken. And I want to keep that in every pilot that we train is going to get trained like that. And they're like, good. 
That's the way we need it. Okay, so let's let's talk about about that mission. When you when when you say you're a saturation diver, I think I know what that is. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a saturation diver? So so there's you, there's basic diving officer. Then there's mixed gas diving officer. That means you can dive with different gases and you know some of the protocols and so on. And then there's saturation diving officer. And that is kind of a, um, that's kind of a, you get to stay underwater for long, long, long periods of time. Uh, the Navy does it uh, in about 30 day increments and only in real special places, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I, I, I went to that school and then while I was there, I, uh, I started working with and developing the transfer under pressure protocol for saturation diving for a down submarine. So that, that was all part of the deep submergence uh, sort of intake if you will so so you're living and working in an environment i mean you're staying in that environment when you're off duty you're still underwater right yeah 100 percent. well you're not technically underwater you're technically in a spot where you can where you can actually be on the surface but you're in a pressurized tube if you know what i mean yeah so a pressurized cylinder or a hyperbaric chamber recompression chamber then you get into a personal transfer capsule, PTC, and you press down and it drops into the water and it goes all the way down to the bottom. And then and only then can you open up the door and go to work. Right. So you're really not technically in the water like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a pressurized environment, but not in the water. You go to water. You go to the water to go to work. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense, Joe, but I think you're being way too technical about this stuff. It's not like you can open the door and just, uh, you know, take a walk. So yeah. I appreciate I appreciate your optimism and your your perspective. So tell me tell me what you're doing right now. You're you are in a habitat underwater for 100 days. Yep. So the plan is to be here for 100 days total, um, but it's not about the world record. It's mostly about getting the word out and educating about the marine environment, about hyperbaric, more pressure medicine. Uh, that's kind of the other thing that we're doing. And then outreach to kids for science, technology, engineering, and math. And then we're interviewing a whole bunch of people who are uh, who are really famous in the underwater world, like Sylvia Earle, uh, like ichthyologists, like shark researchers, to get their points across as well. So it's a real big educational campaign. And, uh, and like I said, we're just raising awareness and doing a whole bunch of good stuff. And, and you're in an environment that uh, mankind really hasn't explored that much. We've been out in space, but we haven't been at depth for that long. Right. I did a uh, I did an article uh, recently that was published, and it was uh, it was talking about the difference between aquanauts and astronauts. And at that time, there were only three people that had been to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Uh, that's the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, August Picard, Don Walsh, Captain Don Walsh, and then at that time, filmmaker James Cameron. And, and you know, there had been like 77 man years of people in space. <laughs> so it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're, we're exploring space, but we're not finishing exploring our environment. So, yeah, no, we have a lot of work to do in the ocean. All right. So so you're telling us what you're doing. Tell us tell us how you got there or why you're doing it. What was the impetus for this so upon retirement from the Navy, I literally got a call from James Cameron's people when he finished diving the Marianas Trench. And they were like, hey, we need you to come out to James Cameron's house and, and take a look at his submersible. I'm like, me? They're like, yeah, well, you're a military submersible expert. 
uh, we want to we want to evaluate this from a you know a mankind perspective. So I flew out there. I went to James Cameron's house. I evaluated that submersible. Found that he found a sea lice and brought a sea lice from thirty five thousand feet to the surface. And usually they're really small. This one was about fourteen inches long, which is huge for a sea lice brought it to the surface, pulled the DNA sample on it, and it's a partial cure for Alzheimer's. So it was December 24th of 2012, and I said, that's it. Everything we need is on this planet. Everything we need is here. The yin, the yang, the disease, the cure. It's all here. We just have to go look where we've never looked before. And that's why we hadn't found that partial cure for Alzheimer's, because it existed at the bottom of the trench. So we need to go look. So that was the, we need to go live in the water thought and start of all this. So that, and here we are 10 plus years later, and it's finally got off my vision board and is now on the screen. And all of this because your mom said no <laughs> on joining the Marine Corps. <laughs> that is a true story. <laughs> Dr. Joseph Deturi, thanks for joining us on Radio Stockdale. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts. 